there is a, a sacredness to those conversations remaining sure. private, especially when things are, you know, like this. And so I think it's in everyone's best interest. We, we don't get into that. I don't think they're insurmountable. I think we can we can find a way to, to resolution. And, and, and we're hopeful for that because, I mean, we know what he's been to this organization, 36 pick in 2019. And he's been so good on and off the field. And, um, you know, obviously a tremendous player, but I, I just, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite players I've ever watched because, you know, the, the, the spirit, I don't, I don't know how else to say it, the spirit yep. with which he plays. And I've talked about it before, you know, will and skill and uh, he brings it all. And uh, I think it's, re- it's really, uh, first of all, it's really effective. Second of all, I, I think the way he plays inspires people around him. So he makes us better. Uh, I think we make him better and, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we're hopeful that, uh, you know, we, we get everything right and that uh, we're rolling forward. If I asked you right now and you're being as honest as you could, will you sign Debo? Will Debo Samuel be on the team next year? Would it be a yes, a probable, a questionable, or a doubtful? <laughs> uh it's a yes for me, and uh, that's that's our job. I mean, he's, he's he's too good of a player. We've got too good of a thing going, and, and we want to keep that going. So, um, yeah, that, that's that's where I'll leave that. Welcome to the oh, hey there. podcast. We are back. Draft recap. You heard him there. John Lynch just said, yes, he believes that Debo Samuel will be a 49er in 2022. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? But uh, you can see there is some type of confidence in the way he spoke. Um Last night on KMBR with Tolbert and uh, Coop, yeah, Copes, Copes and Colbert. yeah, they change their, they change their, their their team too often, bro. Uh, but as always, uh, my guy Leo is with me back from Vegas. He was in attendance for the draft. We got a lot to cover, Leo. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, attending the NFL draft was one of those kind of you felt like a kid when you got there. Um, because now you start reliving watching and falling in love with football and, and being in that atmosphere and seeing all these other adults acting like kids for this same circumstance, which was the NFL draft. Um, but first off, I just like to thank everybody that got me in the process, including yourself, Javi. Um, it's definitely one of those dream come trues. Don't, don't make that reaction. Everybody, he just threw his hands up in the air. Yes. You, you know we you know how we are it's almost family we, we we help out each other here um do what i can but it's uh it's great i actually spoke with debo samuel what do you say inquiring minds want to know what do you say i can't no no i couldn't talk about you know how debo is i couldn't talk about his current situation yeah of course all all i told him is basically hey once this resolves with the 49ers who do i connect with to get you on the pod <laughs> nobody nobody Debo nobody <laughs> all right that's cool you know I, I get it if we were like the breakfast club or somebody you know maybe one of little baby's guys you jump on with us but hey we get it you don't like the media nothing personal nothing personal at all we just reach out to QC see what they say um <clears throat> draft has passed Debo Samuel is still a 49er after all the trade speculation and just the thought of the Niners trading him away. Um, we came away from the weekend with, yes, there were offers. And, of course, teams were offering. The most notable offers are the Jets and the Lions. Jets offered pick 10, a, an additional fifth-round pick for the Niners to send Debo Samuel. 
and a pick swap. That's not going to work. And then Detroit Lions uh, offered a first-round pick and a third-round pick. Um, I'm not certain on the first-rounder that they wanted to send. Obviously, it wouldn't be number two. Was it 32 or was it the trade-up pick that they had? That's the question I, that I like to know. And then, of course, uh, an additional third-round pick. So they were in the ballpark of what A.J. Brown was sent for. Uh, so we, you know, we the price point kind of always reflected what I thought the trade would might look like, a, a first and a third or a first and a second. I, I was not in the ballpark of uh, much more than that. So I think what really kind of uh, disengaged maybe a potential deal, although I know the 49ers don't want to trade Debo, but maybe there was that disengagement when Matt Barrow said that a 49ers had to send back pick 61. And that was kind of the, okay, yeah, we're good. We're going to work this <laughs> thing out. We're not trading him. Yeah, that's a non-starter. Um, because the Eagles didn't send back a second-round pick no, for A.J. Brown. No. And then, granted, I don't know if the Eagles – actually, the Eagles do have a second-round pick because I think they took the linebacker uh, that fell in the draft out of Georgia. So it's um, – Eagles didn't send one back. Why should the 49ers ultimately? That that's kind of seems what the asking point was. Um, I'm, I'm surprised that I don't see the Eagles offered anything. If the Lions did, the Eagles didn't. Maybe the Eagles felt AJ's deal was cheaper, and I think we all might get there it, in this Debo conversation as this prolongs into the offseason or, you know, into the coming up into the season season. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, the Debo thing is just <clears throat> there's a lot of fans, um, myself included, um, that you know we're looking at this potential trade, and you know you want a lot back for it, but when you really start to think about it, <clears throat> Debo going for pick ten to the Jets plus their fifth round pick is almost equivalent to Tyreek Hill twenty nine and fifty one, Devontae Adams twenty two and. 50 or whatever the number, you know, whatever the pick was like, there was a, a lot, there was extreme value in that pick at number 10. Um, the Niners would have, have, have had a lot of control over the draft if, had they gotten pick 10 and had some flexibility if they would have gotten pick 10 in exchange for Debo Samuel. Ultimately the Niners viewed Debo Samuel as more valuable than pick 10 and they were wise to keep him. Um, I think the Niners are better off for doing so. Lastly, we'll talk about this player coming pretty soon. Um, on this podcast, but what does Drake Jackson turn into? Like the 49ers would have gave up that pick. So what does Jackson turn into? We've seen the 49ers draft. They don't take the consensus consensus number one receiver on the board. So maybe the pick wouldn't have been Garrett Wilson. Maybe it would have been a Christian Watkins at 10. Like who knows what they would have done. Better not have been. Um, <laughs> but it's, so I don't look at that you know, three years, four years down the line, I'm not going to necessarily look at it as where is, where is Garrett Wilson's career? Where is Chris Olave's career? I'm not even going to look at it like that because how the 49ers play the board doesn't seem like they go with the consensus, you know, best player available at that position because everyone grades it differently. Just because NFL network says that doesn't mean that say half the league thinks that, um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see see what goes on with this, but I'm I'm excited that Debo's here as a 49er come May third. Once you listen to this, the other part about the Debo situation is AJ Brown did get traded, and he is now a Philadelphia Eagle, 
And with that trade, A.J. Brown does sign a new extension. So a four-year, $100 million extension, which is essentially a four-year, $104 million in total value because he's currently getting $4 million for the 2022 season, breaks down to about $25 million per year. Now, when you really start to dig into this contract, he's got about $30 million in fluff. So essentially, this deal is about um, $57 million in guaranteed money. So it breaks down to roughly $19 million per. And if we go back to the Tony Pauline offer or Tony Pauline uh, piece from a few weeks back, he stated that the Niners offered Debo Samuel somewhere in that $19 million a year range. So Debo might be time to get back to the table with this situation. You might not see a, you know, a real $25 million per year but a potentially inflated number, um, similar to A.J. Brown's deal. Honestly, whatever it takes to get the deal done. Um, I know we're going to talk about this next guy here next, but maybe the 49ers just want to flip Jimmy Garoppolo first, and that's what has Debo upset about the situation, that he's basically waiting on an- another man's pocket in order to open up his paycheck, which nobody loves that situation. Yeah. So AJ Brown, uh, four year, hundred four million dollars, forty million dollars at signing, an additional seventeen point two million dollars guaranteed for injuries, which is that which gives him fifty two point two million dollars in total guarantees. His twenty twenty six year is thirty million dollars and thirty point two five million dollars, which helps inflate the salary. Uh, so essentially, it's a three year deal at nineteen point zero seven million dollars per. Um, you know, we both have been on the Debo Samuel. To San Francisco, that 21, 22 uh, average annual uh, with guarantees. So kind of right in the wheelhouse, man. You know, if we can get him, if the Niners can figure this out and get him to the table at, you know, 62, $63 million in fully guaranteed money, then I think we have something worth cooking here with Debo Samuel and the 49ers. So hopefully this gets done. The Niners have shown a desire to pay him. They aren't, you know, not wanting to pay him. They're just being cautious, and they're rightfully so. I'm going to ask this question to you because I got to ask this question. It actually made me think a bit. Um, so we're expecting Debo to get more money than A.J. Brown, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think Debo Samuel deserves a higher contract than A.J. Brown based off what these players have done their first three years? I'm going to go no. Speak on it. Come on. Speak on it. Let's talk about it. I don't think I don't think Debo Samuel's better than AJ Brown. I just think he's a perfect. He's in a perfect situation in San Francisco with the Kyle Shanahan, with the way this offense is structured, um, his importance to the offense now with Trey Lance. So there's going to be some, you know, some points there where he's going to see more. Do I think he's a better pure wide receiver? No. Is he better for the Niners than what AJ Brown would be for the Niners? Absolutely. So there's value in that. Um, it's just a tough call. You know, A.J. Brown single-handedly, you know, could take over a game. And I think we see that with Debo in flashes, but we've seen it with A.J. consistently for the first three years. Both these guys took over a game when the 49ers played in in Nashville. Both of them took over that game. Um, But I think what you're alluding to is Debo as a wide receiver, injuries happen as part of the league. We get it. But that's also, you know, availability is the biggest ability. 
um, in this league as well. So looking at A.J. Brown, he has 2,000-yard receiving seasons. That was year one, year two. Last year, based off his yards per game, would have been another 1,000-yard season, but he only played 13 out of 17. And that first game back (laughs) from his injury destroyed the 49ers. Um, and basically won that game for the Titans because it was nobody else offensively doing it for Tennessee. Um, and like you said, we've seen A.J. Brown do this for three years now with the Tennessee Titans. We've seen Debo Samuel take over games just one year. I don't think he took over games as a rookie, but he was a huge interest to that offense. He was huge. Um, this was the one year we've seen him actually take over over games 200 yard receiving game 100 yard receiving game 150 um you know 90 yard rushing game we've seen them take over but aj brown has done that for three years in tennessee but to me it it comes down to the fit i don't know what aj brown is going to be in philadelphia with jalen hurts so i i if i'm the 49ers it's or just if i'm looking at this current situation i think debo samuel should have a higher contract with the 49ers than AJ Brown with a team that he hasn't played one snap with. So that's where this negotiation is going to go in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. With AJ, he just has a little bit more uh, a consistent track record. Um, you know, I, I believe him. I believe Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch when they say they can get this done. I think there's value in getting somebody in the building, right? As opposed to FaceTiming or talking over the phone or a zoom call. There's value in bringing the guy to the table because he's going to have to be there, right? The mandatory stuff is necessary. So getting him there is going to be a big deal. Go to L.A. Debo's in L.A. We're talking about a, an hour flight from San Jose to L.A. Just go to L.A., John. Like, take Prague with you because obviously he's the money man. He's, in the, he's your financial advisor. He's going to tell you if you got the funds or if you don't got the funds in any deal, not just this one. So take you and Prague go to L.A. Go stalk the man for all I care. Well, honestly, we got to see if he goes back to L.A. first because he was in Vegas for the draft. Um, I was there when he met the fans just because I wanted to see if anything gets said out of context or, you know, anything off record that I could grab. Um, it was basically the one-liner sent, saying where he addressed all the fans first. Um, you know I love y'all, faithful forever. He said that, but anybody could say that that played one year for a team. Um, so it's it, your your guy Colbert. He could say faithful forever, which he, according to Twitter, Colbert is faithful forever. Um, wherever Debo's going next, if it is L.A., John Prague, you need to be there. Yeah, you know, and like I said, I think there's value in getting into the in the room together. The Niners know who he is. Debo knows who the Niners are, and when I say that, who the Niners are, Debo knows who John and, and Kyle are, and Kyle, Kyle and John know who the person, the player is, um, and Debo Samuel, you know, and like I said, a phone call, text message, you know, those, those things are not, there's not, they're not ideal in negotiations. When you can get somebody in the room, sit down with them and figure out what the issues are, it's much easier to come to a resolution and figure out what, you know, how to resolve this, and I think they will get this resolved. Uh, John sounded pretty confident. Kyle sounded pretty confident post post um, draft press conference. So, you know, my my concern level is back down from a five to six down to a two. Uh, I'm not too concerned about the situation anymore. 
I'll end it on this. I'll just parallel it to, I don't know, all of you watch basketball. I know I do. I know how he stays in tune. Uh, I remember when DeAndre Jordan was going to leave the L.A. Clippers to join the Dallas Mavericks on a free agent deal. Yet, Doc Rivers, Blake Griffin, and Chris Paul, yes, way back in those Clippers days, showed up to DeAndre Jordan's house, locked the door, and said, we're not leaving until we get a deal done. Ultimately, DeAndre Jordan spurred the Mavericks, ended up re-signing with the Clippers, and that's kind of where the 49ers need to go with this Debo Samuel situation. John, Kyle, Prague. Who else got to show up? Trey. Trey? Even Trey. Even Trey, George, George, and Fred. Fred, Jimmy. <laughs> everybody just show up there wherever Debo's staying. Put put the chair up against the doorknob. Lock it. We're not leaving until we get a deal done. That's what they need to do. Yeah, this will, this will come to resolution sooner than later. Um, you know, that the, the, the inflection point is June 13th. That's when mandatory stuff starts. So there's time from between now and then we know Debo Samuel or we know the Niners, you know, it's not in their best interest to start finding, uh, Debo. Um, and of course that's $40,000 a day that adds up quite a bit. And do we know, do we feel Debo can afford those things? Probably not just based off his contract history. It's a lot of money. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be fined $40,000 a day. So we'll get to that. And and lastly, I believe Debo owe, would owe a year, correct? So him holding – I heard people talking about it in Vegas, but him holding out for the season means he still owes the 49ers a season, right? So losing $40,000 a day plus owing the team a season seems kind of pointless to me. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. He's, there's no leverage in the Debo camp. It is what it is. Jimmy Garoppolo update. Really no update with all this. We know where we are with the situation. We're just waiting on Jimmy Garoppolo to heal, being able to throw. Uh, John Lynch spoke about trade trade talks with Jimmy Garoppolo came to a screeching halt once the surgery was decided upon. Nothing ever really materialized, so Jimmy Garoppolo is still here. The Niners are still maintaining this idea of trying to get value for him. I don't know what they're thinking, but at some point you just have to cut bait. Maybe they'll do it. But is it, what it sounds like is they're prepared to keep him on this roster up until training camp. Yeah, it's it's we've said it since day one. You're waiting for a Teddy Bridgewater situation. <laughs> Knowing this this 49ers team, they could get bailed out by that. For the other 30, 31 quarterbacks in this league, I hope that, you know, I hope an injury doesn't happen to anyone because that sucks. You're, you know, you're messing with the guy's money at, at that situation. Um but that's where we're at with this. Or a team gets into camp and they feel like their quarterback's not ready. And they ultimately decide, hey, we're going to give you this top-end day three pick. So fourth round. Or, or back-end day two pick, third round. For Jimmy Garoppolo. I think if you're the 49ers, you got to just make that move. First round pick, <laughs> that's long gone out the window. Um, second round pick, we saw that get leaked out during the draft coming into day two, guess what? <laughs> That's out the window. Um, so with this 49er team, it's ultimately going to come down to contract. And if the 49ers say, hey, we'll ship you for Jimmy, but we'll eat $12 million of his contract, maybe maybe that's a possibility if they want. Um, but it's just, you no, know, we'll be here. 
August. Still talking about Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers. I hope not, dude. But this is Trey's team. You know why? My boy was a part of the fans in the area um, where they get drafted. And you know how they show the fans in their little square box. And then the all the other team fans are around them. They got offered jerseys. And I'll just say this. Out of the list of players that they could choose from, none of them were number 10 with the last name Garoppolo. Yet, they could choose a number 5 in Trey Lance out of the jerseys they wanted from the team. This team's moving on. It's Trey Lance he's starting. Whether Jimmy Garoppolo is on this roster or if he's not on this roster, it's Trey Lance's team. Don't stress yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I think... The only worry I have here is just the money aspect of it. You know, you have a draft class you still need to sign, which we'll get to right now here in a second with the draft class. Um, and, you know, potentially, do we know what's happening with Alex Mack? No updates on Alex Mack. Um, no update might be a good update, right? Nothing has been new um, there. But based on their drafting, maybe Alex Mack is back. But we'll get to that in a second. Some good positive news. Jason Rett is back with the San Francisco 49ers on a one-year deal. Um, it's likely a vet minimum based on his injury history. He is 30 years old. We'll be turning 31 by the time the season starts. Um, I like it. There's no, it's really a small risk, high reward type of signing. We saw that in 2020, you know, they brought him back after the 2019 season and they gave him basically an almost all pro season in 2020. So hopefully, uh, Verrett can get back to that and they need it because the room, the quarterback room, it'd probably be the deepest they've been since John and Kyle have been here. We could say, you know, CW, Charvarius Ward, Manuel Mosley, Diamador Lenore. You got two rookies that you selected within this draft, which is Samuel Womack. Let's not talk about draft, you know, projection because other teams evaluate players at a different level. John Lynch spoke on that. Or, or, you know, the, the second selection was Tariq Castro-Fields, your guy out of Penn State. Um, I'm just saying that because Javi's a big-time Penn State fan. He was a fourth-round projection. 49ers got him, in the, got him in the seventh. So, like, let's not talk about projections and all of that. Um, so that's five corners there. Dante ja uh, Johnson. I didn't even mention Ambry Thomas yet, so now we're up to seven. This uh, This team is looking good at the cornerback position. Um, or at least deep, I should say, for the first time in Lynch and Shanahan's era. Yeah, the quarterback room looks promising. If Jason Ver if Jason Verrett can give him any type of value off the bench or in, in a starter role, that's a positive. That's a net plus for me. Um, Javarius Ward, Emmanuel Mosley, and Jason Verrett would be an ideal starting three. Then, of course, you have the Emory Thomas, and then, of course, the, the two new latest rookies. So, uh, it's a good situation. The 49ers had made nine selections over the weekend. Um, if you haven't know, if you don't know who they are, pick 61, Drake Jackson, USC. Pick 93, uh, Ty Davis-Price of LSU. 105, wide receiver Danny Gray of SMU. Pick 134, uh, Spencer Buford, tackle from University of Texas, San Antonio. 172, uh, cornerback Samuel Womack of Toledo. 187, offensive lineman Nick Zakel uh, of Fordham. That's an interesting one. We'll get to that in a second. 220, uh, defensive lineman Kalia Davis. Uh, and 221, Tariq Castlefields of Penn State. And then 262, 
Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, Iowa State, QB1. Um, <laughs> nine picks and then 14 additional undrafted free agents. Most notably, Donovan West of Arizona State, Leon O'Neal. I spoke to him several times during the draft process on my other podcast. Um, and then you have the kid from um, from UCLA, Quantrez Knight. Uh, those guys seem to be guys that would be valuable for these 49er team for this 49ers team going into 2022. Tay Martin of Oklahoma State. There's plenty of talent here, and they were they. I think the Niners knocked out, knocked the undrafted free agent uh, market out of the park. I think they did a really good job in that. I thought the draft itself is overall to me. It doesn't look like anyone's going to be a starter in year one. But these are impact players who will see a lot of playing time. I think, at the very least, the first five guys on this draft this draft selection. Yeah, the undrafted uh, signings were, they definitely knocked that out of the park. Um, my, my biggest three on that was Donovan West, Poe from Mercer, um, and then obviously your guy, Leon O'Neal, that Javi interviewed on the 4th and Gold podcast. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, He's a Niner now, so go ahead, go to YouTube, Fourth and Gold Podcast, Leon O'Neill. Um, definitely re- recommend that at this will, moment. Real quick, I will. I will say this. I think I was on the. I think I was on all the right guys. Cole Strange went twenty nine. Cole Strange yeah. went twenty nine. Yeah, you interviewed a first round pick, Javi. <laughs> uh, Good for you, Sean Ryan. Another guy. He went in the second to the Packers, yep. and then Khalil yep. Shakir. You know, all these guys had interest from the 49ers. It was uh, a pretty good uh, offseason in this, you know, with this draft process. Hey, but, you know, it is what it usually is. Usually when it comes to mock drafts, you're probably, all of us, are wrong 90, 80% of the time. But do you remember last week when when I said seventh round pick, that final that final pick there, go get, go get me a, a mobile-like quarterback. Obviously, none of them on the board are going to be mobile to the – Trey Lance level, 49ers did that. They listened. They tuned in to the Oh Hey There podcast, and they took I'm Brock sure. Purdy. <laughs> oh, you know, Brock they, they would have took my guy, but he, he got drafted in the, like, fifth round, I believe, which was, you know, once again, draft pro- projections don't, you know, teams value players differently. But they got a mobile-like quarterback in Brock Purdy. Not the fastest guy out there, but he can run the ball. He, he I guess he's fast for the quarterback position. He ran like a four eight. He's the Kyle Shanahan type. Yeah, he's, that's what it is. He's he's CJ Beathard. That that's that's you know not the most he's athletic, but he can run. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, better than he's CJ. Mechan- mechanically he's better than CJ. And from what I hear, this kid is has he's what like okay CJ Beathard Nick Mullins hybrid. So real quick before we get to what we're going to really talk about. Um, okay. Literally after the pick was made, Adam Snyder, former 49ers offensive guard, texted me, and he was like, this kid gets it. I love this kid. He's a great locker room guy. Football IQ is off the, off the charts. Good enough arm. Kyle's going to love him. I text. He's like, he, he said to me, he goes, I text uh, Joe to tell Kyle that, that they got a steal in this kid. I think I love Adam Snyder. I think he's been a little bit biased here because he coached him in high school. Um, but it was pretty unique to hear, you know, a former player like that reach out and say those things. So, you know, for a backup potentially quarterback here, 
it's it's a pretty good sign. It's a pretty good thing that you know to hear that from a former player. And then maybe you know maybe he is the backup in 2023. I, I don't think Sudfeld is going to lose his backup job based on just the contract situation alone. But that was a nice thing to hear. Uh, we're not going to do a full recap of the draft. We're going to go you know two players per pod for the next couple of weeks just to kind of get a feel for these guys. <clears throat> Leo, you were there at the draft, right? You were there. You got to see it all. You were there in the media room. Pick 61 comes in. Drake Jackson, initial thoughts. My initial thoughts were give kudos to Jordan Elliott, um, writer from Niners Nation, because he was with me as well in the media room. And as soon as Drake Jackson was probably on the board around the 40, low 40 range, and he was still there, Jordan was like, that's the pick, Drake Jackson, Drake Jackson. And uh, gladly enough, it was Drake Jackson. Now, I love this kid. Um, with Drake Jackson, he's still raw. Like, let's keep in mind, like, USC did not have the best coaching staff during his time there. Um, he's still young. I believe he's 21 years old. He had 20, 12 and a half sacks at USC. But this is one of those players where you could see putting up a better NFL number wise in their three year first three years than his three years at USC. And that was kind of the narrative that from the people I spoke with in the draft room to where a lot of the media members love Drake Jackson. They believe he has a high ceiling and anytime you put a player on top of on the opposite side of Nick Bosa, obviously their potential is going to accelerate. And I think that's going to be that same thing with Drake Jackson. Um, when it came to to st- rushing without stunts, so in terms of you know creating pressure and and your rush win percentage based off of PFF, the kid was at twenty two and a, was at twenty two percent, which is really high. I believe that was top six in the nation for that. The first overall pick was at ten percent. So according to rushing without stunts, he's double, you know, double the win rate, whatever, um, than than Walker is in Jacksonville. Um, the ceiling's high for him. And that's where everyone gets excited for a kid like this. When you look at this 49ers team, when have they took edge in the draft since since Nick Bosa, you know, has been there since um, since the D line coach has been there? When have they really took an edge play, like a true edge player in the draft? Just Bosa. Yeah. That's it. So they're batting a thousand. When drafting edge rushers here under this this coaching staff. Solomon Thomas, he was more of a three tech than he was an edge rusher. They try to get him to play the edge because there's obviously more value out of a player if you could play the edge. Um so they they took in guys like Arden Key. Boom, career high in sacks. Took took guys in like Kerry Hyder. Boom, I believe he tied or broke his career high in sacks. Samson Ebubicon, signed him to a cheap deal considering the edge rusher market, and he's also young. Career high in sacks. Charles Amenihu, they put him some on the edge, but he was mainly a three a three tech. Had a career year with the 49ers. So this coaching staff knows what they're doing there on the D-line, and now you're going to get a guy there for four years minimum. That's a top, top 
two pick um, in terms of rounds. I'm excited. I'm excited to unleash what Drake Jackson can be in the league because when I talk about other guys they chose, you know, they like Kinlaw, he's a three tech. Obviously, they took him in the th- in the first round. He's not an edge rusher. This coaching staff has an amazing track with edge rushers. And I think that's where you get excited with with the Drake Jackson selection. I'm not going to say that I'm like super hype about it. Um, I think there is a lot of growth here that's going to happen with Drake if he's ready for it, if he's going to do it. <clears throat> there were some maturity concerns coming out of USC. Um, I don't know what those concerns were, but that was the word out of, out of some folks who are familiar with the program. Um, otherwise, you know, the, there's a lot of room for him physically to grow, right? His weight has fluctuated with about 20, 18 to 20 pounds over the last three years. So where does he play at, 250 or 270, right? Where do they want him to do that? So is he going to be a stand-up pass rusher, a pass rusher with his hand in the dirt? Um, to me, I think this they're going to – if they're, if they're going to maximize Drake in year one, they're going to have to figure out a package for him. I think situationally he's going to be ideal – in that first year, because he is so raw. Listen, hey, Drake, we want you to be our third and long pass rusher. We want you to kind of fulfill this D4 role initially to where you're in on third downs only or second and longs, and that's kind of where you're going to be at for the first year. Similar to Alden Smith, if anyone remembers how Alden was used in his first year. Third and longs, second and longs, and just rush the passer. Don't play the run. Just rush the passer initially, and then we'll work everything else in there. Because the Niners right now are like 12, 13 guys deep in, in the defensive line. So, you know, what I do like about this, though, it allows for other guys to stay at their natural positions. Eric Armstead is going to benefit from this. Benefit from this. Kinlaw benefits from this. And then, of course, Nick Bosa benefits from this. So, uh, it's a good pick. It is a pick that we're going to have to see through all the way. I think it's something we won't really really know the impact of until year two uh, because I think he's, he's someone's going to slowly grow into a bigger role going forward. I like the pick. It didn't make me jump out of my seat. I was hoping for a safety. I think everyone's known that. Uh, but at 61, going with another edge rusher, what do you, you know, I think we all can agree that the Niners needed to have add some help for uh, Nick Bosa. And then, of course, you have Ebukam, Abenahue, Jordan Willis, you have a really healthy rotation of now five guys who can rush the passer from the seven or nine technique. I think this kind of, as you say, he's not going to play the amount of reps as Nick Bosa. He's not going to sne- see that snap share. Um, I think it, what it replaces is that Arden Key role. So we probably see about 200 to 300 pass rushing snaps on the season. Um but this, this kid's an athlete. We There's a video out there of him doing, like, somersaults, backflips, um, whatever it is in the gymnastics world. I'll tell you what. At the height of my playing career, 6'1", 175, that was something I was never doing. <laughs> so this kid is a athletic beast, and uh, uh, hopefully it translates. You know, it's, uh, like I said, he's not, unless he just, you know, starts playing out of his mind, then yeah, I think he can increase from the 200 to 300 pass rushing snaps on the season. But I think that's probably what his role is. Change of pace, like you said, second and long, third and long, 
passing situations, I think that's where we'll probably see the most out of Drake Jackson. Yeah, and I don't want anyone to take that wrong. I just think, you know, I'm not I'm not going to put some unfair expectations on the kid, right? Because, you know, he went through a lot of um, scheme transitions at USC. Three years in a row, different scheme every year. So for him to get into a situation where he's going to be at a wide nine position or the seven technique, right, then Chris Eric's going to have to ask him to figure out if he's comfortable with his hand in the dirt or standing up based on his weight fluctuation and go from there. The Niners did add another running back, um, I think, to a lot of 49ers fans' dismay. Pick 93, Ty Davis-Price of LSU. Surprising pick, considering how much success the Niners get out of later-round guys. Where do you fall on this pick, Leo? Um, Afterwards, I kind of liked it. More footage I was seeing out of out of Ty. Um, I liked it a little more. but. If I thought the 49ers were dipping their hand in the running back market, I thought it was going to be more of a speedster. Try to replace what Raheem Mostert gave you. Um, Ultimately, Raheem Mostert gave you vision plus speed. That's what made him so special with with this 49ers team. But if you tell me a power back, I'm going to take that 10 out of 10. Uh, At least a power back with speed, which that's what Ty Prince is. Um, I'm going to take that 10 out of 10. And where I think this pick helps out the most is Debo Samuel. I think this could alleviate some of that Debo Samuel um, playing the true running back position. Because from what I see, Ty Prince is a guy, if you need him to get three hard yards, he could go get you three hard yards. And that's important because we've seen so many, so many times throughout the season whether this team was on a third and one and couldn't convert a a fourth and one and couldn't convert. We saw, I I feel like we saw that more this season than any other season past. Um, Ty Ty Prince is one of those guys that can get you those three yards. His, uh, his yards per con or yards after contact, it was in the three point, whatever um, average, but that's solid. Like let's not pretend getting just under four yards after contact is, is a bad thing. No, that's solid. Raheem Moster in the NFL, he was getting um, under three yards. So he wasn't even in that range. Granted, NFL, college, a little different. I understand that narrative. Um, but just put on the tape. This guy's strong. He's a powerful kid. And what I like is after he makes contact, he does not lose momentum and he does not lose speed. He seems like he's always got that motor going. And that's what makes me, you know, I, I try to get excited about every pick. I do. Like, I, <laughs> I, I still, you know, hope for the best. I'm, I'm probably more optimistic than I am pessimistic, whether it's in, you know, looking at players or just in life in general. More optimistic than pessimistic. So I, I, I like what I see, and I see how it fits. Because while Jeff Wilson is, you know, he, he's probably the bruiser of the room coming into this draft. Ty Prince gives you more than Jeff Wilson does from a power running back perspective. He gives you more than what Trey Sermon does from a power running back perspective. Um, so that that's where I think it fills. It gives you a true power runner. If you could, if you could go out there and give Ty Prince the start, give him the first two carries of the game, and then let Eli Mitchell cut him up after, and. You know, I think that's probably where they want to get back to is that 2019 formula. Let Tevin Coleman take up the beating. 
put in Raheem Moster, let Raheem Moster spin afterwards, and we all celebrate Raheem Moster and what he did. Um, I think the 49ers probably want to get back to that formula to where now your RB1, Elijah Mitchell, is not taking the bruising, having to miss games, and then you're playing with him in the postseason where he probably shouldn't be playing because he's not healthy. Yeah, I think we all can agree the Niners need another running back. Now, do they need to do it at pick 93? That is the question, right? Because the Niners just traded up last year for Trey Sermon. And then we heard after the selection or after the completion of round three, Matt Mayoko went on and he stated something that Trey Sermon just doesn't fit the scheme, right? Or may may not fit the scheme. So was selecting Ty Davis-Price a reactionary pick to potentially a failed pick? In Trey Sermon, I'm not going to put that on Trey Sermon, but it is. It does. Uh, you know, the question should be asked here: What the hell happened with with Trey Sermon, and why are we in, in the uh, running back market so early in the draft? Especially when most of us, if not all, feel that center is a need and safety is still a need. So there's still a lot of questions here. Now, Ty Ty Davis Price, uh, 40 yard dash, 4.48, the vertical jump, 30. And then broad jump 117 inches. So he has explosive traits. He has explosive, you know, maneuvering ability in this in this type of offense. Now, is he more of an inside zone runner or an outside zone runner? I haven't watched enough tape to, to get a uh, grasp for him. But I think my only issue here is the value. It's a value concern here. Kyle and John and, and this uh, this 49ers front office has have gotten value out of guys who come in the fifth, sixth, seventh or undrafted markets for the running back room. So I think that's really my only gripe with this pick. Do I like the player? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to be your number one running back? Potentially. I think they're going to utilize Elijah Mitchell uh, in a role where he's only seeing 150 to 175 carries, and you're splitting it with Ty Davis-Price. Probably he's getting 200, 220. I don't, I'm not putting anything against Elijah Mitchell, but the guy was banged up all year. Literally, the first... Week that he played, he got banged up, right? He finished the year with a sprained MCL. And then we heard uh, at the press conferences recently when the guys returned that he had to have a knee cleanup. You know, he had already had a procedure. So the Niners run through running backs uh, as much as you change your son's diapers. It's pretty often. You know, they, it's a violent, violent running game for this 49ers offense. And they need more running backs. But could they have waited to get somebody else later on in the draft? Sure. If they like the guy, sure, take the guy that you like. But I think their question should be asked of what happened to Trey Sermon. Yeah, granted, and that should be the question everybody's asking because, legit, what happened to Trey Sermon? I know at the combine, kind of off-record things, not everyone had the most positive things to say about Trey Sermon. Then that pick comes in in the NFL draft, and then that narrative starts coming again where – it's not necessarily positive around Trey Sermon's future with the 49ers. Um, just for Trey Sermon's sake, I, I hope he still has a solid career. I don't know if it's with the 49ers. Um, but it's definitely, it's it's getting niche. I, I swear, like, I know they only choose one one team for hard, for hard knocks, but I wish there was like a reality TV show inside the 49ers. Uh, facility there it's so that we could just look at all the cheese men figure out what the drama is and and learn how to react off of it that would 
the rankings would go off the rails if the 49ers had some reality TV show going on there. Yeah, probably. I think John and Kyle would be pissed off the entire time, though, because they got to answer a million questions. But, <clears throat> you know, I, I do like the, this pick. I, I think it is something that, you know, I have no problem with it. I just, I like the physicality out of the player. Um, you know, he shows plenty of explosiveness, lateral movements. He's patient in his running game, running style. He fits the 49ers, what they do. Um, I I don't have any real issues except just the value selection with it. You know, he's six foot. He played mostly at about 230 in college. He got down to 211 for the combine, ran that 448. Um, so is he going to stay at the 211 or is he going to go back to the 225, 230 range? That's something that I want to watch all the way through. Um, I think he fits. I think it's a good idea. I think I think it was smart of them to grab a running back. I th- they grabbed two because they, they did – do another undrafted uh, running back here as well, um, but it's just it all comes down to the value. You know, could they have waited a little bit later for it? I don't have any issues with the player. It's just the value at this point. Um, a lot of questions going into you know the neck this week because the Niners are already there. John Lynch was on KMBR tonight or last night, excuse me, when you're listening to this on a Tuesday morning. He was on Monday night uh, with KMBR. Guys are in the building. Trey Lance is in the building. They are practicing. Coaches got to play, not play. Coaches got to be around players uh, on the Monday session. So hopefully some video comes out of that soon. That's something to watch for. Uh, we'll continue to recap this draft, go through the next couple players. The next two I really am interested about, interested in, excuse me, Danny Gray and uh, Spencer Burford. I think those are my two favorite picks in this draft class, uh, but we'll get to them later. Leo, anything to finish up here with? I guess my outgoing message would just be just be patient. Just be patient. You don't know what this draft class is going to turn out to. I like, I really like the undrafted rookies um, here. And I, your guy, Leon O'Neill, I do believe he makes his team. Um, I, I do believe probably Odom is going to be your safety. Um, We could talk about that on another episode because we could go definitely, in a more in-depth conversation, Odom played pretty nice under the Colts last season. I get Tarverius Moore way too much in my comments on Twitter. Tarverius Moore gave up seven touchdowns in, in not even starting a full season in 2020. So I don't know what his level is going to be. Telenoa Hufanga, um, I got to rewatch 20 this past season, but there was a couple plays where teams took advantage of him playing the, that deep safety role. Um, so I have my concerns if he could play deep safety, if he does play it at a high level, I think a lot of that has to do with Jimmy Ward and being a teacher and a veteran in the back end there. Um, but it's going to be interesting. I, you get a guy like Leon O'Neill, I wouldn't bang my head too much on not selecting the safety because that's someone who should have been drafted. Yeah. There's, you know, uh, Quantra's Knight and Leon O'Neill, both of those guys are undrafted guys and both. I can play the safety position. Quantrez gives you a little more flexibility with nickel nickel potentials and corner potentials as well there. Um, it's going to be interesting. And, you know, just my initial feel on this draft, the takeaway, I feel like this draft class is more suited to be more impactful in 2023. We'll see. Right? This is a really strong roster. It's going to be hard for these rookies to get playing time on a talented roster. So I think a lot of this has to, 
I think a lot of this is for the Niners to look at it and say, hey, look, we're still building for the future. We're going to try to build this image around this image of the team around Trey Lance. So let's get some guys who fit him and how he may develop into the quarterback that we think he'll develop into for 2023 with guys around him. And that's not to say that these current rookies can't make an impact because we saw it last year, whether it was early or late, rookies made an impact and they were needed. Um, but this class is going to be interesting to monitor, especially with how they selected, um, how they selected and where they select their players. Uh, but as always, I'm Javi. That is Leo. Make sure you check us out on Twitter. Uh, for myself at Javier underscore for my guy Leo at Leo Luna 93. I hope my allergies do not ruin me next week. Uh, Texas, we have a cedar issue and pollen all over the place. Um, but it, uh, make sure you follow everything at Nation at NinersNation.com. Jordan Elliott has been on a, on a rampage writing really great pieces. Check that out. As, as always, check out Rob's stats. Michelle, everyone else at Niners Nation Podcast Network, Akash, KB, got more episodes coming for you this week. Um, until next week, everyone stay safe. Go Niners. Peace.